Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Gaming Manifesto, the official gaming podcast of Robot-Republic.com. This week we're going to be looking at and discussing the Nintendo Switch Online uh, expansion pack and what else is happening in the Robot Republic. Joining us today, we've got Glitch of Glitchcraft. Hello. How are we doing? Good we, to be here. Good. How, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. Um, tiring week of, of uh, you know, gaming, of course. Um, there's just so many good things at the moment. There's just so many good things out in the world of gaming and not enough hours in the day to enjoy them all. And, and, the, and today we're talking about the expansion pack on top of that. More things to play from, from the past just coming back. So, yeah, you know, we just, need, we just need more time, less sleep. Well, as you know, I'm an um, absolute shill for Microsoft Game Pass. But um, at the moment, there's so many things that I want to be playing on there. And every time it comes to it, I boot up my computer, my Xbox... I look at the games and I'm like, this. I can't decide what I'm going to play. And then I end up just putting on YouTube or something. It's, it's got bad. I think I've got a bit of ennui at the moment <laughs> for focus. I need a solid week off of nothing but sleep and video games. Uh, I'm torn between the horrific pun of you've got the Nintendo Ennui, which I will not, I will not <laughs> say. I will not say on air, obviously. Uh, but also, yeah, for those of you new to, uh, to this podcast and to Cali, um, what you can't see because this is an audio medium is that he is wearing his Xbox hat, his, you know, his Microsoft T-shirt, and he's got a big flag behind him, um, Microsoft for the win. Uh, that's, just, that's just how it is. It's not, it's not paid. Of course, if they were to offer that, I'm sure he would take it. But, I would um, love that. They could big. just pay me, in, pay me in Xbox merch. It would save me thousands of pounds a month. Absolutely. There's a name for what you just described, uh, which, which eludes me at the moment, when you have too much choice and you're sort of... I think, I think it's just something like choice paralysis or something like that That sounds that sounds good <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll go, with, go with that but it's it's like really it's like a quite um a modern phenomena phenomenon whichever the singular of that is uh it's a very first really, world problem are, for sure isn't it like, oh really, it absolutely is it's just that I, we have too much now we have too much going on too many too many options because this is the normal thing isn't it i think that's like a standard kind of joke of like you go onto netflix you browse for two hours and then you just turn off and go to bed like honestly it's becoming that, a bit like that with games <laughs> Yeah, I've managed to sort of break that recently because I would often sit um, on either, you know, sort of my, my PlayStation or, or my Switch, um, just so I'm repping the other brands as well. And yeah, I just flick through my my backlog and I've got so many games, you know, I've bought them, so I'm, like, oh, I'm going to play that, it's going to be great. And I'll look at the clock and it's like, oh, maybe I've got maybe I've got two hours, two and a half hours before I want to go to bed. And I look and think, well, I probably shouldn't start this or I probably shouldn't play that because I'll need a little bit longer. And then, yeah, you've spent 
30 minutes not picking anything and then like you say you just don't bother um, also there's this weird like something being out of reach that makes it appealing so i'll look at all the games <laughs> i've installed and be like ah oh, no and then i'll see one of the ones i haven't installed and be like that's the game for me right now so then you know i have to install it but then next time it comes to play and i've got the same problem and um, i actually i did play and complete a game in this last week uh do, not do tell one, not one of the many many selections from the fantastic 10 pound a month xbox game pass the web <laughs> uh but um no i i bought mr pumpkin uh two okay yes yeah, yeah. Pumpkin two. i think it's uh something like the uh, kowloon board city it's called or mm. escape from kowloon Ward city anyway you say uh you play as you play as um the titular mr pumpkin and I don't really understand if there is much of a plot besides you showing up at a place and then deciding you need to get out of that place. Right. Which is weird because you get told at the beginning, you know, like if you go in there, people don't tend to come out and yet you go in there anyway and there doesn't appear to be any objective besides getting back out. So anyway, it was good though. It's just a, it's, a, it's like a point and click puzzle, but not point and click. I don't know what the word for that is. Like, so you, you control and walk around as Mr. Pumpkin rather than clicking on things. You walk up and interact with things, you know. Oh, but then it's point and click style adventuring. Yeah, so you like you have like a suitcase full of you know things which you're picking up as you go along, and it might be like the batteries. So then you walk up to a thing and needs the battery and you selects that. Um, I think that is. I think it is still point and click. I think they've just they've just sort of modernised it a bit. I played um, Thimbleweed Park a, a few months back, which is um, sort of absolute homage to all the the old um, Lucas Arts. Lucas Arts, isn't it? Yeah, I've yeah, seen it. uh, it's fantastic. Really, really good. But again, that's. You, you do actually walk around as as a, as the characters rather mm. than just it being a cursor on screen. I think that's probably just uh, you know the, the more modern variant. Yeah, um, it was great. Anyway, completed it, which made me feel Good. feel smart. I actually I had to Google one bit of it, which really upset nah. me. Well, nah. okay, right. Hear hear me out, right. So anyone uh, who does play out. this game and gets stuck at the same point, here's your solution. So there's some thugs who are denying water. Right? Thugs. Yeah, thugs. There's some thugs. You're in um, you're in let's say Kowloon Wall City of Hong Kong, and there's some street youths who are denying water and charging people to get to the water. Yeah, you get money, you give them the money and that. But anyway, you need to find then a valve to open the water, right? Um, now on me at time, all I've got is I think I've got a gun and some bullets. Okay. Um, and not and you know some keys for like later in the game. Now, it turns out the solution is to give the thugs the gun and the bullets, which is just not what you would expect anyone to do as the, you know, solution to a puzzle. Okay, uh, yeah. Which point they fire at this building. The old woman comes and yells at them and then throws the valve out the window. <laughs> right. So I, I have a bit of a problem with that. Uh, like it is morally the... um, a bit... Uh, bit... Gray, not, isn't it? not even not even that right the point of a point of click adventure isn't isn't like random occurrence because you could never have predicted unless there is some sort of uh reference somewhere that this old woman has like has priors for you know gbh from lobbing valves out of windows it, like you would never to know that so, so no like, the game the like, woman the game had lead a you down connection a the woman had a connection from the valve in that you speak to her and like she's like, oh, damn them youths outside, always graffitiing, you know, just being layabouts, uh, charging people for water. I right. should turn, turn uh, if they carry on, I'll turn the valve on them or whatever. So like, okay, so there's a little hint. Okay, okay. A little but hint. You're right. but but you're I didn't right. expect my, I didn't expect the solution to be give the youths, give the thugs a gun 
<laughs> as a way of out of this puzzle. It's a bit strange, but uh, the rest okay. of the game was much nicer. I you'd, suppose you'd recommend that. You'd recommend. I'd recommend it. It's like two bucks or something. I bought. I bought the double pack. I, I'm a Ooh, bit of a sucker. Dollar. I'm a bit of a sucker for it because it's just a guy called Mr. Pumpkin, and he has a pumpkin as a head, and yeah, he's yeah. got like a little mustache, and yeah, really appealed to I me. Can see, I can see that. I've. Uh, I mean, I've been playing all sorts, but I finished. Um... Well, last time we spoke, I played Life of Strange True Colors. The DLC came out um, at the end of September. That was very quick, only only maybe four hours of additional gameplay. It was nice. It tied it tied the third one to the original Life of Strange game and and resolved a few things that weren't referenced in True Colors about Steph, the one of the sort of main protagonists. Hmm. Very nice. I would recommend it if you are a Life of Strange fan. Uh, it, nowhere near as good as the main game very like very okay. extra very sort of um low low input there wasn't like not a lot happens that is it's not it's not essential playing but i did enjoy it nonetheless uh, the music's very good which i think is probably one of the main points you run like a small small town record shop and radio station so there's a lot of sort of interesting like indie-ish kind of music very nice uh but um Kane and bridge of spirits is my is my big my big completion of the last the last week or so yeah of course which, which there is a, of course plugging there is a review now <laughs> i was just about on, uh, plugging myself go for it <laughs> yeah robot-republic.com check it out just look up the search glitchcraft or search search for kana all of the uh all of the articles about that game are from me i'm very hyped about it and it lived up to and exceeded for the most part my hype highly recommend incredible work and it's also now up for uh game games radars uh playstation game of the year so oh, really? I, I mean would, yeah yeah so they like how many things are up for it because of in the uh, limited the short playstation list, there's only five, about like five, five games six. right <laughs> yeah i think it's playstation across i think oh sorry sony maybe sony game of the year like yeah. um so just just on their sort of platform but uh, i had a look through there's like resident evil village um a couple of others but that i think i think kana might even might get it for me to be honest i uh, i loved it so much but yeah check out the review i won't i won't rattle on here because my words are already out there somewhere but definitely check that out i'm also playing um eastward on the switch another another game that i sort of previewed ahead of this month which one sort of a little eastward? it's the rpg uh top down sort of cartoony anime studio studio ghibli-esque um okay is it actually look that kind of art style of uh, not really not 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 bang, <laughs> not bang on uh, I regretted it as soon as I said it, but it, I was just trying to think of something to compare it to. It's mm. very, it's very um, old school. Feels quite retro, which is a nice segue into what we're about to talk about. Um, yeah, good so far. A, a little bit, a little bit thin in regards, like sort of story progression. I'm not. Nothing not feels. Sold. Nothing feels particularly um, like it follows a, an obvious course. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, um, but. Yeah, not it's not outstanding to me at the moment, but we'll see. We'll see as we go. I don't remember if it was if I did talk about this last time. I was playing um, Octopath Traveler. Mm. See, that's a game that would be what a game perfect on the Switch. In fact, it was on the Switch originally, but it's, it was. Uh, I've got it. I've got it on the Switch. Yeah, like I'm. I'm only. I'm not too far into it. I was just in this. Uh, I mentioned, you know, struggling to kind of like find a game I can be asked to play, and I just this game with its very basic graphics and you know kind of simple slow paced thing just really appealed to me at the moment in the moment very very old school rpg yeah Mm. lots of lots of uh, grinding and sort of your classic uh back and forths and and leveling up and things really good and like very um like well worth the money 
because of the amount, like, you know, the different paths you can choose, different characters you can pick. Uh, like endless, endless gameplay. Yeah, I um, I, I played as the, I played as oh, what's her name, Primrose, the dancer. Oh, been, I think I got, I got it like five years ago. I'm not even sure, maybe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can um, you can entice people to follow you around. Is her yes. kind of like yes, little, is, yeah, ability, yeah, yeah. and it means you could just have like um, an old woman uh, as like following you around, and then when you get into a battle, it literally is like summon old woman. And she comes out and fires a bow at the uh, and she <laughs> throws guys. she throws a valve out the window. <laughs> at, at the, uh, at the as creatures. old ladies are known for their main their main weapon of choice. We've got a little theme here. Callie really wants to be followed around by old women. So if you do see <laughs> if you do see him in the street, old lady listeners, which of course is makes up the majority of our demographic. I yeah, looking at the uh, stats, it is mostly in the sixty plus female. Yeah, strange. It isn't, and we we love you all. We love you all very much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so speaking so, of old, yes, oh, he's old. done it. He's done it. You've segued again twice into a subject I keep trying to refrain from going on to. I'm all about oh. segues. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about some retro games. So the place, that, no, not a PlayStation. The Nintendo released the expansion for their online store. Um, have. Now this, in a uh, manner of speaking, has a bit of a Game Pass uh, vibe to it. So of course, you know, I'm, I'm instantly into the idea of a subscription service for some games. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's all that many games, and it's um, it's pretty cheap, though. To be fair, but- yeah, it's interesting. So, so it's a sli- slightly more expensive than the original, or if you like, the base package for the Switch Online service, which gives you the usual stuff: so online play, uh, backups of your saves in, in the cloud, a few downloadable items for different games. But also, currently, it was the uh, the NES and Super NES games in the in the in the back catalogue mm. that you could play. Um, but now, if you want to play the upcoming, which are released today, if, if uh, this podcast does indeed go out on, on Monday, October 25th. It does, without um, fail. Fabulous. Welcome, everyone, to Monday. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting N64 and Sega Genesis, or Sega Mega Drive, from the, if you're from the UK. Um, you're getting a, a bundle of those games extra, as well as some Animal Crossing DLC, but we're not we're not here to talk about the Animal Crossing DLC. Actually, from I actually do want to talk about that for just a brief moment because that I'll is one of the it. things that makes excited. it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you would be like, for me, I, I've not played Animal Crossing, but like that's actually quite a good deal though. If sorry, <laughs> if you um if you are into Animal Crossing and you know you get to have all the N sixty four games plus this, that's actually not bad. If they were doing a lot more of that kind of thing, um, it's good that because would I think be a worthwhile subscription. Yeah, so the price of the Animal Crossing thing on its own, I think, is twenty four ninety nine, mm. which gives you this um, this brand new content where you get to go. I think it's called like Happy Home, something. Is it not just it. a series of hats or something? That's what. That's kind of why I assume expansions oh, no, no. are so free this is, games. No, no. So there's there's a free uh, a free DLC which is you get you know get a coffee shop in the museum with a with sort of series regular Brewster, which I've actually been calling for since this came out. I really want a coffee <laughs> shop on my island. Um, and honestly, a, a whole heap of other things, like, like you say, like items and clothing and all that sort of thing. But also some expansions to a few of the islands that you can travel to and some brand new islands that you can travel to by boat now, which weren't, weren't sort of available originally. So quite a big um, free DLC. But this paid one is like a brand new game where you basically get a job, which is very like, the antithesis of... The Animal Crossing Island was the idea was like this is your uh, this is your you know beautiful wonderful retirement home area where you just have there's no no work it's all relaxation your paradise but you go and get a job where islanders can come along and they want you to build their holiday homes for them and you sort of get to design it based on their sort of brief 
and um, yeah, sort of set up as, as they would prefer it. And then as a result of that, you get the chance to unlock some brand new items for your own island. And then eventually you can redesign your islanders' homes in the main game. So it's quite a nice little tie-in. But I think, as you say, for an extra £10, uh, you know, for that, for that sort of 12-month period, you also get the N64 and Sega Genesis games. So it is interesting. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm a huge Nintendo fan. That's, that's, that goes without saying. But mm-hmm. actually, um, controversially maybe, this is a fantastic selection of N64 games. But for me personally, there's nothing on here that I don't either already own or hasn't been sort of re-released or, or kind of you know bettered since so there's things you know i mean i don't we'll, we'll go into it now if you like can we go into the n64 uh, game yeah because i think like one of the ones uh, i believe you're about to say is banjo kazooie amazing like that yeah. is a game i you know that is a game i played when i was a kid i didn't actually get particularly far i got more stages probably in that than other games but it became too hard as for a, a wee little boy um but it's already released on the rare replay games. You know, you can play that on Xbox. And so when that, if that had dropped and that wasn't available anywhere else, I would be quite excited to try and play that. But it's already, as you say, it's out somewhere else. It's already. Yeah, been I think, I mean, Banjo-Kazoo is actually one of the, I mean, and that isn't actually one of the release titles. I think it is coming out soon afterwards, though. It'll be like, oh, uh, okay. be, added, be added at a later date, but it is, it has been announced. You're right. And what's interesting about that is that obviously rare and now owned by Microsoft. Um, and to be honest, the majority of fantastic games on the N64 were were produced by Rare, hmm. so it sort of makes makes quite an interesting sort of list. Um, Banjo is the only one, I believe, that is that is been that's been announced by Rare at this point. But obviously, they've also recently had Banjo appear in Super Smash Brothers as a playable character. So it looks like some sort of deal has been made to have those characters back uh, because you know Banjo and and Kazooie are both technically Microsoft properties now. But it's, no, that's a good one to bring back. I think that is um, it's one that I think some people might have missed because it wasn't one of the major IPs back in the day. It, you know, it was in fairness, it was a Super Mario competitor at the time, but it hasn't had the same longevity because of Rare moving. So things like The Legend of Zelda and Super Mario, they they sort of rule the the roost of that N sixty four. And in that initial, you know, in that initial dump of games, you've got you've got Super Mario sixty four, you've got Ocarina of Time, um, Mario uh, Mario Kart sixty four, uh, Yoshi's Story. Lilac Wars or Star Fox 64 if you're in America, uh, Mario Tennis and Dr. Mario 64. So that that makes up like the majority, you know, the sort of the, the classic Nintendo IPs make up the majority. But like I say, nothing, nothing kind of like obviously all remarkable games, but nothing that doesn't nothing that really surprises me there in that in that initial. To be honest, though, I mean, when you say surprises you, if it was going to be things that surprised you or you weren't expecting to be on that list, then they're probably not the popular games. You know, That's the ones people are asking for, I guess. Um, I would hope with this, though, like, I know it's, you know, I say it's not a huge amount of money. Like, it isn't particularly for a year's worth, but there is, I suppose, what, 50, was it 50 quid, 40 quid? Uh, 34 34 okay. So, yeah, it's, it's not loads of cash for a whole year's worth, but... These are very old games. You you can play emulators of these easily enough online. You probably own them if you're a fan of these games anyway. Um, so I would hope that they're going to carry on adding to it, like just building the list as the year goes on, because then it you will make so it a well. worthwhile package. Like if every single N64 game ends up on this, or you know the vast majority of them, and the uh, you know we're going on to talk about the Sega ones as well. But if all of that's on the lists, then well worth the money. No, I think so. And what the big difference between these and the, and the previous generation console, like the NES and the SNES, 
some of those games, um, you know, are four to eight hours if if you're slow uh, at sort of playing them. Whereas some of these, um, you're, you know, your Ocarina of Time, Super Mario 64, um, and then in the later ones, Banjo-Kazooie, Majora's Mask, and Paper Mario, probably. Uh, like, they, they, they are lengthy games. You can easily sink sort of 30 plus hours into those, which... Again, for thirty four ninety nine, some some modern games aren't giving you that sort of length, and these are quality games. These are these are things that have lasted the test of time. You know, the the Zelda's are spoken about fondly still. Um, I think Banjo Kazooie is is, I mean, I'd say underrated, but I don't think I don't think that's uh, you know. Well, actually, when, when when you said about uh, you know, it's not it wasn't a particularly mainstream one back then. Back then, you know, you didn't have I didn't have like the well, no one had the internet. We have no connection or idea of how popular something is. My cousin played uh, PlayStation. No, not was it PlayStation? PlayStation Two or PlayStation One was that out at the same time as N sixty four? PlayStation, yeah, yeah. So like, I had an N sixty four. He had a PlayStation. So I didn't really know anyone else that had an N sixty four. Okay. And Banjo Kazooie was kind of like the big game I had on there. Besides, Light that was. So yeah. So I'm... when it was when it was released, it was. <laughs> I mean, I was reading um, Nintendo magazine uh, back then, um, even as a kid, and it was you know, it was likened to Super Mario 64 and in fact, potentially a Super Mario 64 beta. Hmm. Um, the sequel was, you know, received equally well, Banjo-Tooie. Uh, and there was there was like com- uh, conversations about a third, which ended up being the nuts and bolts that came out on Xbox. But I think that was a, that was a huge deviation from what the original two were. But no, they were fantastic and have spurned all sorts of, you know, um, sort of lookalikes and copycats and stuff in the future. I mean, obviously we've got Ukulele, uh, which was an indie game originally published on Kickstarter, I believe. And that is a rip of Banjo-Kazooie ultimately, but they did it on purpose. They loved it so much and they were so desperate for another Banjo-Kazooie mm. that they created their own uh, in its image. So it's it's the same sort of premise. You have one character that's your, your kind of power character and your, your sort of jumping around character. And the other one helps you sort of fly around and do some of the the more gymnastic things but it's just um that 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 to me is one of the more more exciting ones on the list because it does open up the conversation about are we going to be getting other rare titles there are some that probably we won't see because of you know just awkward licensing issues um things like goldeneye which you know i think immediately jumped to mind when you think of the n64 but again to get that license to republish you know a a film property that is owned by you know a completely Mm. separate entity and also then to you know traverse the somewhat kind of all over the place relationship with, with Microsoft. Um, I don't think we'll be getting something like that, but there are a few other things that, you know, if, if we're getting that, are we also going to get Donkey Kong 64, which was, which was made by rare. Are we going to get Diddy Kong racing uh, conquers bad fur day? Maybe some of some of these ones again, uh, conquers bad fur day was on the, um, the rare replay. So it's interesting. It'd be an interesting one. And equally, uh, it's also interesting that super Mario 64 is on here. I know, it, I know it couldn't, be omitted really but it's just been released as part of the triple pack in the 35th anniversary this year so again sort of interesting crossover there but no ultimately yeah on the n64 side of things quite quite a good selection so i also feel like i've been a little bit spoiled by um kind of game upgrades playing on new systems so like trying to play like an older game without any additional polish to it i would hope nintendo would do the kind of similar thing and bring up update a little bit on it but i imagine it is going to be exactly original game files right i think so so the footage that i've seen of ocarina of time is definitely the n64 port because they also um had this for the nintendo ds or the 3ds when they released it um in a sort of a re- remaster 
far far superior looking graphics not you know only only sort of um reskinned rather than rebuilt altogether but much much nicer and this looks like the n64 version which you know i think a lot of people would consider to be the the you know the official version the correct version whatever uh but as you say these things have have grown tired i, I had a game in um sort of night maybe a few a few months back and we played goldeneye we, we stuck the n64 on had a, had a go at a few games mm. and goldeneye this was a conversation that i thought was was you know um quite an interesting one goldeneye is, is regarded as probably like the you know the godfather of first person shooter games it was the absolute standard bearer back when it was released because that you know nothing like that had been around it was fast it was it was kind of explosive uh, the multiplayer was legendary and from there you got things like time splitters which then you know that that, that gave way to things like call of duty and halo and, and all those other games that you know sort of you would recognize now as as your your key first person shooter games and we were excited to play it again and it handles horribly and it looks even worse. It is damn near unplayable. I um Yeah, yeah, a couple of friends had to, had to stop playing. They they couldn't their, their eyes couldn't deal with it. I tried it, it a, a uh, couple of years ago cuz I I picked up an N64 like again. Um and it came with that or sort of the person that sold it to me had that and like I think from what I remember you can't run and aim at the same time. No, you like you have, you, to you have to either aim and then you know move on. Yeah, to so the next you actually bit. get your, uh, you actually get, yeah, you have to hold R to get your aiming cursor to come up. It was um, it's terrible when you think about. It. <laughs> like, I can't imagine yeah, that and, nowadays. And also, also there wasn't a button for, uh, you know, camera control and and as you say, movement of your gun or whatever. So obviously now we used to dual stick controls. Hmm. The N64 didn't have that. It only had one joystick and it had the C your, your C buttons, which often were used for sort of camera movement but they weren't in this they were used for um like walking left and right if you like doing like uh, strafing see so it's, it's like it's it's an iconic controller and console but god damn is it terrible <laughs> really well so this the, the conversation that i had off the back of this was when you have the conversation about what's the best game of all time for mm. example now people that have been around for a long time that have played all of these and kind of had the child, you've got your childhood nostalgia that play into it and all those sorts of things. So GoldenEye is always in the conversation of, if not best game ever, best first person shooter game ever. But I think there's a big difference between the best game ever and the most sort of, um, what would it be like trailblazing game or the most, yeah. uh, you know, um, groundbreaking game or, or One whatever it might the be. the biggest kind of impression. Yeah. Now, Goldeneye is, is no longer in the conversation for best video game ever. Of course it's not. You know, we move, everything moves forward. You'd, for the best video game ever, you'd be looking at something probably in the last five years because that's, you know, we, everything that has come before it has helped inform what we have now. So that, like, the best video game will always, I think, forever be changing until we hit a point where video games are kind of on a plateau of, of, of sort of quality and consistency. But then, yeah, you look at sort of, you know, the most sort of uh, the game that inspired the most games or that, you know, that, that sort of paved the way. And then GoldenEye, of course, is in that conversation. In fact, I would argue GoldenEye probably is that in first-person shooters because it was the one that that set the scene. But that's it again. Does that make it a good game now? Does that does that mean people are going to play it again? Uh, did you ever play um, Perfect Dark? Another another rare. Another uh, rare no, game. never did. Low were very excited about the uh, re remake or reboot of that game coming out. Eventually. Yeah. Well, so that again, that was a right at the end of the N64's life. It was like an 18 version of GoldenEye. It, it, was, mm. it was a bit grittier, and uh, and then they did obviously. I think it was on the Xbox 360 as well. They did a Perfect, Perfect Dark, Dark Zero. Zero. Yeah, yeah. 
which bombed, but... Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, don't, I didn't play it either of those, but uh, Jack wrote a um, sort of piece on Perfect Dark for us uh, quite a long time ago now. Um, okay. And yeah, basically slammed Perfect Dark Zero as not being like at all a justified sequel to it. So No, it was terrible. And again, it was a... It was Microsoft trying desperately, I think, to jump on the N64's popularity once they took Rare away because they thought, well, if Rare, you know, Rare's got all of these wonderful IPs and, and titles that did so well on the N64, we can quickly release, you know, sequels and, and things like that and get some sales. And they did get sales, but obviously not the then critical acclaim. Mm. But here's the big question then. So you said you had the N64. Yes. Which, which games that haven't been announced would you like to see? as part Ooh. of the expansion in the future. And if you want a minute to think, I can fill this time with things that I would like to fill it with. Yeah, well, uh, firstly, I, I will take your minute in a second. But um, in terms of the ones that have, like, in terms of the games I used to play, Lilac Wars, Banjo-Kazooie were kind of two of the big ones there. Um, yeah. Glover as well was another yes. one I played a lot of. What a um, call. But yeah, no, I don't know. I'm trying to think now back to what I played. So yeah, go ahead and fill some time. I'll see if I can have a little think. Okay, well, the obvious one to me. So they've got Pokemon Snap coming, the original Pokemon Snap, which obviously they've just had the sequel come out on the Switch, which has, I think, done really well. So it's interesting they've kind of re-released that. But that makes me think that Pokemon Stadium has to be on its way mm. as uh, as something that people loved. I think people loved the mini games in that more than they loved the main sort of popular yeah, game. Boy like, uh, in and and give it a go. Was there like um like Magikarp splashing to get higher? Who could get it was literally called Magikarp like Splash. Yeah, there was yeah. like Metapod Harden. There was <laughs> like Lickitung. He was in like a circle of sushi, and you had to just eat as much as you could. Um, like Ratter to Run, where you had to jump over hurdles. But that again, so in my gaming night we did not long ago, that was on the list on top of everyone's list. They were like, we need to play the mini games. So even if they just released the mini games, <laughs> that would be great. Um. A couple of others that I'd really like to see. Um, there's one called Space Station Silicon Valley, which I believe was made by Take Two. I could be wrong. Uh, it's a game, I've mentioned this a few times, I think, on, on previous conversations we've had. Uh, there's a game coming out soon called like Charlia, um, which I think we referenced. It's, it looked a bit like the um, My Time in Porsche. Oh, yeah, where you um, take over foxes. It was on take the over PlayStation Showcase, wasn't it? That's the one, yeah. The so, fabled lost show. <laughs> I know. But uh, Space Station Silicon Valley, you play as a microchip in a completely robotic world. And all of the animals, there's like there's like animals that have been created to sort of recreate the Earth sort of thing. And you can jump into them as this microchip and control them. And they all have different powers. So like, if you're a dog, they can obviously bark and, and run around. If you go into like a hippo, I want to say the hippo could like do poos that exploded <laughs> um, there was like but it, it kind of got like, a bit crazy and it was like a puzzle platformer so you'd have to consider how to complete the mission that you were given by jumping into different animals and you know do different things so like the king penguin could control all the other little penguins like they, you know you could get them to march behind him and you had to try and maybe like round up the penguins or something i can't remember exactly the quests but it was just such fun and it was like it was as good for just messing about as it was actually doing the quest so i'd like to see that return and equally another one called snowboard kids if you played that uh no i assume snowboarding yeah imagine mario kart but on snowboards okay and just the course design was incredible for for its for its time it was so much fun uh the power-ups were were like again mario kart ripoffs but there were a couple of really good ones and it was just it was just a lot of fun really i think it was uh and the n64's answer to ssx tricky 
but it wasn't anywhere near as cool. It didn't try to be. It was just a bit more, uh, bit more multiplayer friendly and fun, I think. But they're, they're, the, they're the sort of major ones I'd like to see that I think we could get. Obviously, aside from, as I said, uh, Diddy Kong Racing and Donkey Kong 64, they are just seminal, seminal games. But again, depends what the, uh, what the situation is with Rare. So yeah, I'm just having a look through things that uh, that, that were released on, on this. Um, Shadows of the Empire, that's one I remember playing, and I, I do own, so I'm not too bothered if they released that or not, but that's going to be what another. Shadows of, uh, sorry, Star Wars, Shadows of the Empire. Ah, I'm with you. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I saw Bomberman on this list. I remember playing that, but I... I that, that was Bomberman 64, wasn't it? That, yeah, that was the, yeah, yeah. So it'd be good, but like at the same time, they, there's been plenty of those. Ah, oh, Turok 2, Seeds of Evil. Yeah, oh, Turok games, yes. Turok. But Turok's again, where, could do with where a have they gone? General. Yeah, exactly. Like, dinosaur hunting. What the? How's that not still cool? Absolutely. In fact, Absolutely. wasn't it... Um, what was it? It was the PC showcase. There was that game. It looked... It wasn't like... It looked a bit more like Dino Crisis. It, but... uh, In- Instinction, was it called? That sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, I think it was Instinction, because I think it was like it was a play on Extinction and yeah. Instinct or something. Well, that, that, was looked, more that looked Dino Crisis incredible. Than, yeah. um, Dino um, Hunting. I'm hyped for that whenever it starts to exist. Actually, just reminded me, um, sorry, but I'm related, but to Turek, uh, I actually reviewed this ages ago, uh, Second Extinction. It's not the same type. Of, uh, it's pretty similar. Like it's okay. it's obviously like Turok Two. If you look at it now, it's pretty terrible. But like, um, this is a game that is in pre-release at the moment. But you are it's like a Left 4 Dead, I suppose. But you are shooting dinosaurs, big guns. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, I could do with the um an actual Turok just remake from the beginning. Uh, I I don't know if there's that many others I actually really played. Looking at this list, I don't know. I have terrible memory from being a kid, apparently. Well, to be honest, I think we've probably covered a lot of the sort of great ones. Yeah, Glover. There's a few still one, like you know, that's one I remember. Like, well, you see, you've got you've got that. You've got that. I had Chameleon Twist, which is, I mean, it should have been a Yoshi game because you play as a chameleon who uses his tongue to get around. Mm. They could have just reskinned it as a Yoshi game and made it successful they had yoshi's story it was okay it's a little bit basic it's very very kid friendly and very short but that was quite good i also really liked even though it was terrible and it was one of the hardest games ever uh, earthworm gym 64 but See, i loved earthworm gym i just thought he was yeah um, I, I saw this I, I remember earthworm gym on some console i Ooh, don't i thought segway. it was a, it was like a 2d one though i'm pretty sure segway like, is this are we segwaying across to the sega mega drive well, that is that is from Jim. The one you're talking about was indeed on the Sega Mega Drive, amongst other, uh, you know, 16-bit and 32-bit consoles of that era. Uh, okay, now is from Jim going to be coming to the Sega Mega Drive games on the Switch? So, no, it's not in the initial batch. And again, I don't know where uh, the copyright stands with Earthworm Jim. Obviously, a you know a, a character outside of like a third-party character. So, I'm not sure. What the uh, what the crack is with Weird Earthworm Jim? Little he... aside, um, Earthworm Jim is getting a new game soon. Um, that is world is... class. Brace yourself; it's not as good as you would think. Uh, mm. So, it's, I mean, the game might be fine, but it's being released as an exclusive to one console. That console being the Intellivision. Um... <laughs> yes. No. You know what? Now you've said it. This is this has triggered a memory. Yes, I did see this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, that console looks really cool. If it wasn't definitely just going to fail. <laughs> like, I don't know I really if it will. Like, it's, had, it's had a lot of support. I don't know. Has it though? 
like is it had enough support to make anyone actually want to buy this like i i like the idea of it it's got the whole isn't it like there's four controllers that sort of sit on it and it's one of those you just come in you pick up and it's a bit of a party game now honestly if i had the sort of like i guess if i had like a house with kids or something or yeah you know like people would pop in or any any friends or any friends yeah just anyone bar my dog like it would be a really good little console you can just have people come pick up and play a quick game of something but yeah i just i don't know if it in this day has that kind of appeal it was interesting so i remember reading when when they very first announced it i signed up to the newsletters and the what appealed to me was they'd taken you know the we the we had been so successful as a result mm. of this of this you know oh it looks like a remote everyone can just pick it up and play um and they'd noticed that that was like a i don't know it was back in popularity to just quickly switch on a console and have a go and it, you don't need to like learn crazy button combinations and this reminded them of obviously old school video games that you only, you only had two buttons on your controller or whatever and they thought okay let's let's make a modern equivalent so i believe the controllers have screens on them as well like little little screens that have other bits going on i, I, I could be misremembering um but it just looks like a lot of fun and as you said they got a lot of backing from a lot of the sort of retro you know retro gamers or mm. in fact sort think- of you know retro uh, studios and things yeah, and it does look it, it. It's definitely an interesting little niche, and I, I'd like to think that it's got enough of a, uh, of that appeal of that kind of uh, cult sort of appeal of, of followers. Because again, I think you know, and we'll get onto this probably after we speak about the Sega Genesis stuff. There, there is a calling for retro things now. I mean, you look, you know, um, vinyl records have made a comeback, and you know, in, in the video game world, so many of these old properties are either getting rebooted or they're releasing collections of the old games so there was mm. you know there's a castlevania is still really popular and they've just released loads of those with the sort of booming success of metroid i wouldn't be surprised if they don't release some sort of metroid collection um to get people playing the old ones again um it just you know there is a calling for this like streets of rage which is another one of the genesis titles that's been announced um streets of rage 2 obviously streets of rage 4 has just was released maybe a year and a half ago see this is the thing i love streets of rage um i've got the little mini uh like the, the the mega drive but the little small one that they brought yes. out yeah, yeah yeah um you know and play like uh play, play streets of rage 2 on there and i've downloaded streets of rage 4 i've yeah. still yet to actually get around to playing it like i just <laughs> <laughs> another one on your list yeah it's another one like it's because I, I only really want to play it with someone and trying to find someone that's willing to play um streets of rage with me is quite quite hard work well, look, if you hadn't put out the restraint order on me, I would totally play. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, I've you know what I've got to keep that. I know, I know, and we, you know, it's not it's not for us to talk about in in this podcast. But no. Sega Genesis, so Streets of Rage two, um, probably one of the highlights. Sonic the Hedgehog two, uh, they're like in their they're like in their seconds on this on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fantasy Star four, which, um, I'll be honest, I wasn't even aware they got to that higher number in the Fantasy Star games. I've not played that one. I've played Fantasy Star one and two, but not not four. Wait, isn't uh, it's Fantasy Star Online? Isn't that like a game that's still a thing? That well, yeah. So Fantasy Star Online originally was released on the Dreamcast, so it, it's a Sega property. It's it's their equivalent of Final Fantasy, really. Hmm. And um, I believe yes, it was re-released not too long ago and is now still a thing. So I think that's probably why that's being released again. Good good games though, really really solid. If, if that sort of era of RPGs, very good. Um, and then just your obvious titles, really. Again, you've got Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which again was there. That's of like a um, Buster move. Doctor Mario Tetris. Is that no? Okay. Um, you got Echo the Dolphin, which I hate, but it seems to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I never played it. Game. 
speaking of though that um there's also a sequel to or it's either a sequel to or um a complete knockoff of echo the dolphin <laughs> coming to the intellivision so that's yes a, oh no i think that it yeah is it actually echo i, think I can't remember I'm, i think it's something like um or like a spiritual, you know, like, a spiritual yeah successor. spiritual successor same people just not the echo dolphin yeah like. you are you're doing this thing today Callie, where you just keep triggering things that i'd forgotten that i knew uh, <laughs> but yeah i do recall that now um i mean what do you what do you think did you ever play the genesis or the mega drive growing up yeah so i was, my cousin had this i have this uh whole thing a lot of my time for gaming when i was young was spent with my older cousin who kind of got bought everything <laughs> so okay. like there's a lot of like being sat on the floor next to someone who played games rather than playing games myself um those swines yeah but like well, you know i think i turned out right <laughs> but oh, like, you, yeah you did you did I mean, so any yours that i'm worried about yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um but no so I, put, I got to play quite a lot of it i played um quite a lot of streets of rage with them uh to you know it's a two-player game and I, I, it always still it's something i think about quite often still the fact that uh you get to the end of the game and if you choose like you know um not to fight him or something he just like drops you back five levels and then you have to get there again <laughs> and then if you do choose to fight him he immediately just pulls out a gun <laughs> it's like oh great now i've got to beat up a guy who's shooting me i was playing um i think the original streets of rage um not too long ago myself they're, they're, they are great games they're, they're so mm. challenging and i think on purpose you know it's one of those things where you, you know you can't unless you're some sort of like savant or you've just practiced it and practiced it and practiced it like you can't get through it without dying and game overs and all sorts of things like that but that's that's such a kind of memory of those games they made them hard enough that they didn't have to be super long because there obviously there wasn't the memory for that kind of thing yeah. back then. so they had to make it so it was a ludicrously hard challenge speaking of uh, Castlevania Bloodlines on the Genesis, which is one of the release titles. Rock hard game. Like, the Castlevania games are so difficult. So I think there's plenty here again. Plenty here that I think will keep people busy um, for their $34.99. So with, with it being subscription though, like there's no need to sort of repeatedly sell it if they can keep people paying that subscription. So I would love to see them just start bringing out almost like everything that came out in those times. So I'm sure like the actual number of games that came out isn't phenomenally huge compared no, to what you kind of remember it. Yeah, the 64 was, was relatively limited. Yeah. Um, because they Nintendo managed to alienate a lot of, of the uh, developers because they decided to stick with cartridge games. So uh, they originally had, for example, um, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? An exclusive exclusivity deal with Square to bring out Final Fantasy VII. Oh, wow, really? Um, okay. Which obviously this is one of their sort of biggest faux pas, I think, because they said to Square, we're sticking with cartridges. And they said, well, if you're sticking with cartridges, then we're going to take the exclusivity deal off the table because we want to make a bigger game with, uh, you know, with um, FMV sequences and we want it to be much bigger than than cartridges will allow. And Nintendo stood their ground. So they took their deal to Sony instead, which is, you know, obviously now history. Because say, they, yeah, after like... that, Sony got all of the exclusives ever since. And... Um, yeah, there is there is some footage somewhere of of because they started to develop the cartridge based version of the game, but realized very quickly that they, it was just going to be too limited. Mm. But that but Square weren't the only people they lost as a result of that that decision because a lot of you know uh, writing to CDs and and kind of you know later DVDs and that sort of thing just gave the developers much much greater span of what they could what they could achieve. And I yeah. think Nintendo 
you know, obviously on the GameCube, they went to mini disc because they, they realized they were sort of falling behind. But um, yeah, you're like around that era, sort of Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the kind of really big titles, the ones that sort of wowed people and, and why the PlayStation 2 is still one of the best selling consoles of all time, I think. Uh, you know, it was just, there was just so, such a, an advance, a, like an advancement on what gaming was able to do at that point versus mm. what the N64 was doing. Don't get me wrong, that doesn't, that's not to say the quality of the N64 games was, was any lower because I think they've got some absolute, absolute banging titles. But yeah, not so much, not so much when it came to the, uh, you know, I guess the casual game. I want to look at a game and go, that's that's beautiful. That's that's really nice looking. Um, and then and then pick it up and play it. So that, that's kind of what happened there. I think I didn't know that about um, Square Enix. That's actually quite weird to think. Low, but you know, for not having a disc, Final Fantasy could have been a Nintendo <laughs> like yeah. concept. Well, it always it was up until that point. You see, so they um, they released all of the original Final Fantasies on the NES and the SNES. Mm. Um, but there wasn't any wasn't competition until... to that, was there? Like NES, NES. Was no, it was well, it was Sega, wasn't it? <laughs> and as we say, and now it's yeah. now Nintendo have got them on their uh, on their system, which is the ultimate flex, like really, isn't it? It's a definitely it I won that competition. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it's not. It's nice though because I think uh, it's nice to be able to have the crossovers when you do. So, like, I think some of them, you know, the Mario and Sonic and Smash Brothers stuff is is really is, well. When it first happened, it was a huge moment for me. I remember first, like literally having Mario face off against Sonic in a battle. And it was just a big moment, big moment for, for kind of someone growing up in that era. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sonic, Sonic is most definitely, you know, fallen by the wayside, hasn't he? As a, uh, as a starring character. It reminds me of like, it just makes me think of like two old men who have been bitter rivals, you know, in life sitting there together at like the nursing home or whatever, just being friends playing chess, you know, like Magneto and Professor X playing chess. It's exactly, that's, <laughs> that's... you know, that was exactly the image I had when you just referenced that. Yeah, that, <laughs> is what, that is what those two are, most definitely. Um, is but... there anything you'd want to see on the Genesis Mega Drive? Ooh. Do, do you want to, have you got something racked up? Because yeah, I've not fought back. I can yeah, have a quick... I mean, I say Earthworm Jim again. I know you referenced that already. So I'd like to see Earthworm Jim again, because that was just, mm. that was a, I mean, that is his best game, the kind of opening one in Earthworm Jim 2. They were just so good. But um, I'd like to see, and it won't happen, um, Mickey Mouse Castle of Illusion. It's probably one of the best Mega Drive games. And again, I'm sure there's all sorts of problems with Disney and all that kind of stuff. I know they had um, Epic Mickey on the Wii. Um, but again, that's a very different sort of deal. And I think Again, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but I think Castle Illusion will be good. I also think, obviously, they've got Sonic the Hedgehog 2, so you're going to want Sonic and Knuckles at some point, I think, because that was fantastic. And if they can get, which I don't know if they will, there was an expansion um, for the Mega Drive called the Mega CD. Right, you had, like, yeah. you had, like, Sonic CD and a few other sort of more... Again, this was Sega jumping into that the, the sort of disc kind of area and, and expanding their, their um, capabilities. But that's a really good game. And one that not a lot of people got to play because of the fact it was, you know, to buy towards edition, the end of its yeah. life cycle and additional hardware. Yeah, yeah um, I don't know. I say I played it mostly around, but I think the games I liked are already coming to it. So, like, obviously Streets of Rage, but I'm pretty sure I saw James Pond is on the list already. Is it? I don't Maybe. Maybe I might be making that up just out of like faithful hope, but, but yeah, oh, Je- I forgot James all Pond. About James Pond. So. James Pond's absolutely amazing. So <laughs> I'd love to. Okay, if it's not on the list, if it's not on the list, I want it on the list. I'm with you. That is a great show. Good stuff. No, I didn't have loads. The the console I had was the Atari 7800 or something like that. Nice, yeah. Uh, So, you know, Commando, which was 
sick. I, these are all games I played when I was so young that, like, you know, I played them with my dad, and that's probably the last time he played computer games, kind of thing. <laughs> but like, it's very um, true. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, like, Commando is great, and there's also a game called Xenophobia. Yes. Which? Oh, yeah, that is a that is classic. Yeah, I actually would love to see like not remade because of like it'll be trash these days, but as an IP, seeing like a remake of that, like a reboot of that series. Because it had I'm, these I'm... horrible, not xenomorphs, obviously that's kind of what they were a bit inspired by, but like the way they, they had like these evolving creatures that would start off as like a little rubbish thing and then end up as this like rolling ball, which would sort of stop and be this huge monster thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and you'd just go through the spaceship lobbing grenades in and shooting and it was amazing. <laughs> so yeah. I think, I think I might even own that on the Atari as well. Um, I'll have to I'll have to check after this call. I I've I do. got my Atari, and I've definitely got that game plus you know like Commando and some other bits. But um, well, when the restraining order lifts, I'll play that with you as well. <laughs> well, the problem is I don't have to get to work the Atari anymore. Like my TV well, look, doesn't got... contain any of the things that need to plug <laughs> this in. That's so true. <laughs> we had to uh, we had to buy recently uh, just one of these cheap converters where you plug you plug the you know hideous looking aerial cables or whatever whatever mm. things they were back then and it converts it into like a hdmi slot but it again it doesn't it doesn't look good you're better you're better off if you can Buy finding one of the old, old school tvs yeah because yeah. So, it was um when i was trying to get this working is the first time i'd thought about this in you know a couple of decades that you would plug something in and then you would turn to channel like three and tune yes, in and, and tune. you would have to try and tune and find the signal and like I hadn't thought about that as like it hadn't even occurred to me. I'm sitting there trying to figure out how to get this to work. I'm like, hang on, memories coming back, flooding <laughs> my mind of just horrible times. The thing is, when you're a kid as well, all that stuff seems so much longer because again, I, I was you know I was tuning in my probably N64 or something like that not too long ago, and had mm. to go through that phase, and it just was nowhere near as long as we kind of imagined as a child. I remember as well, I had a Commodore 64 which ran off. Um, cassette tapes ultimately like what you used to have for the audio tapes oh wow okay but you had to play the entire tape from start to finish in in the tape deck that came with the commodore um and once it got to the end it that had loaded it into like the short-term memory of the computer and then you then once it got to the end it would rewind yeah and then you could play the game and that again really wasn't very long but it probably only i don't know maybe 15 minutes to half an hour which again nowadays you're just waiting for an update aren't you so that's that's I was the same thing. say it's like kind um, of captured that that, that feeling still like if nintendo had one thing right with the nintendo 64 it was that the games booted immediately because it was on a cartridge unless you had to blow them but again even then that that didn't take half an hour that that was still i think one of those things where nintendo kind of understood what they were doing and equally on the switch you know those cartridges load pretty fast they love their cartridges it's, it's crazy. quite cool I, I do like the aesthetic of the cartridge like even the um switch like with his little small, horrible tasting one, um, just that as a concept compared to CDs is so much better. <laughs> like, I think they're I really nice. I um, uh, is it Game Boy games? They have like a little battery in them, and like, they do. People will. I I I knew someone um, who used to sort of like buy job lots of kind of like busted ones, and then just replace the batteries and sort of sell them on again. Um, but yeah, yeah. Just, so the ba- oh, the battery is what would uh, would allow you to memory, have the saves. Yeah, yeah. The saves on there. Yeah, just weird tech. Like I'm so used to everything being digital and on CD. So when you have like this kind of like physical media thing, it's quite exciting. I suppose that yeah. is segueing into our little retro thing. 
um, of indeed. having like a physical thing. Like I, I say, I collect vinyls. Uh, and when I say collect, like I'm not just buying everything I kind of can, but being that I don't buy music anymore from anywhere, except when it's on vinyl now. Nice. Okay. It's kind yeah. of a nice little collection thing. So yeah, let's, let's talk about the retro, retro revival slash has always been a thing. Cause if I remember <laughs> you know years ago retro still being kind of a popular thing so yeah well, i mean i think as long as there are people that played games when they were children yeah as no long as what, no matter what age you were as a child exactly <laughs> but i think what's what's big at the moment you know retro has hit this point where because we're going digital now because there is the game pass you know xbox game pass because there is the switch online because there is uh you know the playstation store and the ps5 that doesn't have a disc drive we're going that way, you know, uh, we're going, we're, go- we're moving away from physical gaming media mm. uh, and, and moving on to digital. And there's, there's a backlash to that in the same way that I think vinyl made a comeback when Spotify and Apple music became these, these huge sort of, you know, beacons in our lives. And as a result of that, we've started to put under the spotlight again, retro, like the actual, you know, the old cartridges, the old games. And of course, they're more scarce now than they've ever been. And that will continue to be the case because the amount of, you know, good condition, mint condition, cardboard box games of, of even N64 era, but then, but, you know, beyond that, we're looking at, you know, your Atari games, your, um, you know, your NES, your NES games, anything like that, that was, that was again, in, in these degradable, easily falling apart boxes. Um, it's getting rarer. And I think people are starting to realize that there's a market out there now for it. There's, there's so many, gaming markets that you can actually go to like physically where people are selling all of this stuff uh, there's a rise in the number of actual high street independent gaming shops that that kind of specialize in the second hand and, and the kind of pre-loved stuff and i just think it you know this kind of thing where you you can have a nice catalog of these games only encourages people to sort of go get go back in time and think oh yeah i really would love to have a, a real copy of my favorite game from that era or whatever that might be and and as somebody who does collect far far too much gaming uh <laughs> memorabilia a little plug here check out at glitchcraft on instagram and that's that's craft with a q um i often post stuff on there that is you know from my collection because yeah i just i, I love i love that stuff and i think it's such a it's such a bygone era now because even when you buy a switch game as we just discussed like you might buy the physical version it comes in a tiny sort of dvd case with nothing in it there's no instruction manual there's no like Mm. there's no maps there's no you know extra leaflets and that's that's such a big part of the collecting now like you know you you, if you buy something boxed from like the game boy era you're looking for it to have everything everything in it from the cardboard cardboard insert to the yeah the instruction manuals and things and it's yeah it's really it's, it's a big thing it's always been big in japan like they have a they have a love for this sort of thing but it's definitely come over to the west now i think but uh, speaking of, like the inlays and the fact that we don't get them anymore, like it is a bit sad because I, I saw like memes recently of just being like in the back of your parents' car reading the living shit out of the inlay manual that comes in a game on the way home before you can play it, and like yeah, you don't really have that experience. Well, you don't at all with digital, of course. But um, even now, like buying the disc, I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of digital games. To be honest, like I would rather play most things digitally. Um, Honestly, partly laziness, just not having to get up and change disc. It, it's, so mu- it's so much of that. <laughs> it honestly is so much of that. But um, but I don't. I like the idea of owning some physical things, but I think like now it's kind of going to be collector's editions. You know, anything. Yeah. It's, if I if I do want to own a game, 
Uh, I kind of see it a bit more valuable on the Switch. I think having a disc isn't, it just doesn't have the same feel as having a um, cartridge. Like I've got an N64 and it's got cartridges with it and the Switch kind of keeps that a little bit alive. Yeah. If that makes sense. But yeah, I think Nintendo have like, because Nintendo have been around since the, well, I mean, they've been around for like a hundred or so years now, but yeah. um, as, as video game makers, they've been around since the sort of eighties and their heritage is in creating physical, you know, physical things. Like they started off with Hanafuda playing cards in Japan and they're all about that kind of special design and that, that kind of that collectability. And again, it's from their Japanese heritage of, you know, it's, it's that respect for your belongings and for tradition and all those sorts of things. So that's why you'll still find, you know, the fact that they're releasing now for these 35th anniversaries of, of Mario and uh, Zelda, they're releasing the Game & Watch um, sort of re-releases with, with mm. brand new games on. But they're, they're packaged in the old way. So, like, they've just, they've just um, released another trailer for the Zelda one. And on the inside is a cardboard insert, which has got, like, it's, it's black and it's got the Triforce in gold on it. And then the, you know, the, the console, if you like, sits in that, in that nicely. And again, it's just things like that, that, you know, nowadays it's, it's all about cost saving. Companies just want to make the most money they can and selling a digital copy of FIFA 22 uh, for 60 pounds on the PlayStation five or the ultimate edition for 99, 99 or whatever, whatever it is with unlockable, whoever, I don't, not, I don't know why I picked football. I have no, <laughs> no knowledge, but I was just thinking of like the, the worst, the worst of the worst, which is kind of, you know, the people that make these, these games like EA and all that, that just want to make, want to take all your money. Um, yeah, it's, it's like, they, they haven't got to pay as much for the production then because they're just releasing it in a digital format. And there's things like, uh, you know, Kane and Bridge of Spirits didn't have a physical release, which makes me sad because I, I liked it so much. I really wanted to get something to kind of, uh, you know, Hmm. acknowledge that I have it and that I like it. And there's, there's some merch on the website now, but that came after the fact. And it's not, it's not the game itself. You know, and I think sometimes having the actual game in that format that you, ref- that you referred to, having the, the instruction book that you can flick through or the art book or, or whatever comes in the special edition, um, just makes it unique. And I think, I mean, figures, I think figures have made a bit of a comeback. There's a lot of limited hmm. edition statues and figures and all that sort of stuff. And I think they'll probably always have a place. But like at the, the moment, I'm itself. um like Halo's coming out, uh Halo Infinite in a month or a couple of months or something. And yeah. like it's game pass, it's you know, it's all digital. I'm gonna be playing it for well, not f- for free, but for my subscription. But at the same time, like I kinda want like a collectible or something with this. Like if they yeah. and there's there's ones that are, have been for previous Halo games that I've not got because of, you know, being a young poor boy and not really wanting to spend 90 bucks on a statue or whatever but like i would like to get that now you know now i see them and they're like 500 pound on ebay <laughs> like not for collecting to lend seraton but i actually just would like to have like the um also i know there's a really really cool one for the batman arkham game with like batman holding the joker up yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which i've got to have um, had. i've got the statue from the second is it the second release? Is like that Arkham... the uh, city? Is that the one with Catwoman? No, it's it's not very good. It's oh. just a Batman. <laughs> it's like Batman stood in like um, I think he just sort of stood on his own. To be honest, I don't think there's even anything with him. But it wasn't like a particularly good one. But yeah, I don't know the ones you're talking about. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, I mean, my I think my favorite collectible in that regard um, when Resident Evil Village, no, not Village, 
Resident Evil 7 oh, came I out. I think I know what you're talking about. And is it absolutely disgusting? <laughs> disgusting? In what, in what regard disgusting? Is this not the, um, the, the, the finger, USB drive finger? <laughs> uh, that is in that edition, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but the thing about this edition, probably why it's one of my favourites. So when it was released, it, it like came with a replica of the, the Baker Mansion from oh, the game. Yeah. But when they packaged them, uh, whoever designed the boxes, the box was just about as tall as like the chimney um, of mm. the of the house. And obviously, when you stack those in boxes, and then you stack boxes of those on top of boxes of other of those, um, during transport, about ninety five percent of the houses were destroyed because the pressure wow. was like pushed down on the chimney and just shattered the, the models. Um, when they arrived at stores, Capcom heard about it and decided to cancel, like the collector's edition they just they just got rid of it and they said well no no just refund everybody um and well refund them enough and we'll send them just like the game if they just want the game um but on on that day i booked the day off because i wanted to play it and i heard about this very early in the morning so i started ringing around loads and loads of independent game shops because i thought there's gonna be somebody out there who's still gonna sell them Mm. um and i found luckily i found an edition from somewhere who was willing to just crack on and sell it and yeah, so I have probably one of very few sort of complete unbroken. Ah, uh, not even a broken editions. One. Yeah, I wasn't going to buy a broken one. I mean, so okay. they were. In, I mean, there's a lot of broken ones out there that are just horrendous. Yeah, but yeah, he um he sent me photographs to show me that it was definitely okay. Um, obviously hoiked the price up, but um, I was <laughs> I was I was sort of willing to do that knowing that they were going to be like pretty much invis like off the market. Yeah. Um, and then he packaged it like unbelievably um to get it to arrive in that condition as well so sort of credit to to that guy but um but yeah that again that sort of thing that kind of um that mania of collecting stuff like i get really disappointed a lot of the bigger sort of western releases you can't get the limited edition in this country but you can get it in like america and mm. if you want it over here you've got to pay you know 80 80 dollars in shipping yeah. and stuff and i just, sometimes it's, it's more than the actual you know item that you're buying and that upsets me i really wanted to get um for the last of us part two I got the limited edition over here that comes with the Ellie statue. And then uh, Dark Horse released a statue of Abby, which was sort of like a compliment to the statue of Ellie. And I really wanted it. But again, the, the, I think the postage was nearly as much as the statue and the statue was already quite expensive. Hmm. Uh, and then you, you start to think it's not, it's not really viable on a, on a regular sort of human being's budget. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, that, that upsets me. But I think going back to your point then, so you, you made a comment you know, before we had this before we started recording that not that you don't like retro like you've you know you've got a place for obviously the, the nostalgic games and that sort of thing but you said that you weren't as bothered about the actual games themselves anymore yeah What's well your... it, it's things like the um the 8-bit kind of stylization of a lot of things at the moment like i mentioned i played a bit of octopath traveler uh that yeah. is a rarity for me to try and do any play anything like that Generally speaking, they don't have a huge amount of appeal and like trying to play some of the older games, you know, like I've bought my uh, N64. I can probably count on like two hands how many times I've actually powered it on to play it. <laughs> you know, like there's just not, yeah. there's so many new games to play all the time that going back and trying to play like an old one and a lot of the old ones, like talking about Castlevania, they're just unbelievably hard to compare to games these days because often they don't have a save point <laughs> like yeah. and there's 
you know, a live system. So like if you run out of lives, you have to start from the very get go of the game rather than like being able to load up a save and such. So yeah, now old, old games had flaws in my, you know, in well, my opinion, is... that put me right off uh, playing most of them. Yeah. And that's, you know, that goes back to my point about what's the best game of all time, because I think no matter how great one of those older games are, mm. we've learned lessons from that. Like saving is absolutely one of the checkpoints and that sort of thing, because it's brutal. Um, Castlevania is, is the perfect example. I was playing with the Castlevania collection on the Switch because I didn't really play them too much when I was growing up. They were way too hard when I was a kid. Mm. And I was playing through the very original Castlevania on the Switch, and it is an absolute slog. Like, enjoyable, but I on the Switch, you can make save points like at any given moment. And so once I got past something really difficult, I'd do a quick save, and then... Obviously, then if I died and I had to go back to what would be the beginning of that level or the beginning of the game, I could just reload that save instead. And I, d- I think if I hadn't done that, I would never have completed it. You know, not not a chance in hell. And you're right. So much of the original retro, like by nowadays standards, is either very short and kind of a little bit thin um, or it's yeah, it's just almost too hard to play. And I know what you mean. I, I do have a love for retro. Uh, you know, there is definitely I guess this is the case now. There, you know, there was a lot of bad games uh, mm. of the retro era. But you look at something like, so go back to like the the NES, uh, the Legend of Zelda. Back then was just at, like groundbreaking, unbelievable. Still really playable today. Um, still so many games that when you play it, you think, oh, this this is Legend of Zelda. You know, kind of homage or uh, or whatever. Um, but other games that came out around that time, like can't even touch that. Like they are they are by comparison terrible. And I think that's the difference. Like, there's this, there's this kind of saturation of retro where people are like, oh, everything from that era is great, and that's just not true at all. Because you'll look back at any any era of gaming, and there is a lot of trash. That you I think have that to happens with through. literally everything, like music-wise. People are like, oh yeah, the the 80s are great for music, sure, because of when you look back, you look at all the good ones. <laughs> but same very as true. every other time, there's probably 90% of the things that are released are terrible. Same movies, you know, from the like, I I had an argument with someone about how terrible the 90s was for like <laughs> everything. Now I'm from the 90s, so like, you know, I should have like nostalgic thing, but generally speaking most things were a little bit shit <laughs> like compared to TV nowadays. <laughs> um, but then they named a bunch of things and I'm like, okay, yeah, no, those are really good. Starship Troopers is a great film on that, but still it's probably like, yeah, the biggest, the, a huge majority of things are terrible. And then yeah. some occasional absolute bangers. No, and you know, like, um, you know, you load up one of these, one of these old consoles and you chuck all your old games in. So, you know, whether that's your, whether that is your, Sega Mega Drive or Genesis or your N64. And like you say, your memories make things better than they are because mm. you're not you're not just remembering the game. You're remembering the time that you had when you were playing it. Like you're remembering your friendships from that time. You remember sitting on your cousin's floor. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you but it's true. Like I you, you brought back another the memory for me. Um when I, I bought Donkey Kong uh Donkey Kong Land on the Game Boy, it was released and like the first print run of all the games were on yellow cartridges for the Game Boy. Oh, which sick. was like super novel because obviously they were all just grey normally. Yeah. And my uh, my dad took me to uh, is a throwback for English listeners. Remember Big W? I do not. Sorry. It was it was um it was like Woolworths, but it was their like enormous stores. So they were like they were like not just in your high street. They were sort of standalone Toys R Us esque kind of yeah. shops. Um, and I remember he took me to Big W on the weekend of its release. 
so I could get one of the yellow cartridges. And I remember, yeah, on the way home, re- like reading the box, reading the instruction <laughs> manual over and over and over again, um, just because of that excitement. And again, you know, you play that now, and given the system's capabilities, it was incredible. But compare that to a modern platformer, even a modern Donkey Kong game, and you know, it, of course, it can't hold a banana to it. Of course, it can't. Like nicely done. Thank you. You're very kind. Like. Honestly, I, I I like the idea of retro games more, and I think this is uh, for a lot more than actually how you know liking the games. And what would be good is when they do these re-releases. Now, George Lucas obviously keeps playing with Star Wars, or that was kind of the thing back in the day. You know, keep changing them and making them worse potentially, or making bits better. But like, if they were to say release Donkey Kong sixty four, yeah, and upgrade it to have save points, I don't know if it did. Um, to have like, <laughs> like, just all the modern features you would want to see in that kind of game, better controls, but also if they want, have the old version on there. I'm sure it would take up like, you know, thirty megabytes. Like, it wouldn't be a problem to just also package that in as it, so you would have that as an option to stop yeah. people complaining about, you know, they've they've changed and ruined my childhood memories, kind of thing. But then it would still make them playable because it's like, as I say, Castlevania being a complete slog and things like that. If you could have save points, do you know? I played something recently, um, like a game that just doesn't hold up in any way possible, really. It was uh, Duke Nukem. Oh my god, yeah, okay. (laughs) So, for obvious reasons, Duke Nukem is not someone from the 21st (laughs) century, (laughs) but like, absolutely not. I, I do remember playing or being another person who've had things I, I, I spend a lot of time watching people play games like honestly twitch was invented for me <laughs> like to relive my childhood but yeah watching my neighbor uh playing um duke nukem i don't know if it was 64 or duke nukem forever or something it was 3d anyway duke nukem yeah, 3d yeah. is that a thing i think it is yeah but there was yeah. i think it was on 64 as well but yeah and there was like um the bad guys were aliens but they looked like pigs and it wasn't from my memory the graphics were a lot better but like yeah <laughs> This wasn't that that one, but what it had it what what it had in it is a ability to rewind time. Yeah, so if you yeah, fuck yeah. up, you could just you know chip it back a few minutes. Yeah, and that's good. That wasn't in the original, but the original would have just been a case of you fuck up. Okay, it looks like you're starting this game again. <laughs> so <laughs> so true. No, and that you know, and again to go back to the kind of the uh, the switch online. That's one of the benefits now. You have you can create a suspension point at any time, which is just ultimately a save point. Mm. And you can rewind, I think, the last maybe like the last minute of gameplay or something like that to, to go back if you do you know, do cock up and fall down a hole or you know, get get killed by a stupid enemy or whatever. And it does add, it, it takes away what might be off-putting to a modern gamer. And in fact, to those of us that yeah, fondly remember them, but then find out, oh yeah, I remember these were like an actual pain <laughs> in my ass. And that is that is fun, and you don't have to use them if you want. If you want a, uh, you know, a complete nostalgia trip, and you want it to be like for like experience, you you're allowed to play it without you know uh, without using the saves, without using the rewinds. Um, mm-hmm. I recently played through on the Switch Online. I played through all the Donkey Kong Country games on the SNES because I just absolutely adored them when I was a kid, and I wanted to like 100% them all. And I didn't touch the I touched the save point thing because sometimes you want to just save mid level because you know mod, modern life requires you to stop playing occasionally. Mm. But I didn't use the rewind feature because I thought, well, that's that's kind of the big point of this game is it's platforming. You, you have to like do it well, and it would remove some of the challenge. But again, it that's it's your choice. It's like in a game that didn't have difficulty setting, 
back in the day. Now you've got an option to make it a bit easier. And I think that's I think that's a great addition and will be a great addition to the Mega Drive and uh, N64 games, definitely. Yeah, so I hope that I hope um, upgrades to old games would make a lot of old games better. Uh, we were talking about like how like James Bond doesn't hold up. Um, there was a bit I wanted to mention during that, but it was more yeah. retro game-based, is that some games I think will still work, like Tetris, uh, like oh. Pac-Man, like oh. Pong, like... They hold up because they're so basic, they can't not hold up, really. Like, so, I've just... Uh, you just reminded me, I've forgotten I've been playing this. I downloaded uh, Tetris Effect. Connected. I love Tetris Effect. <laughs> yeah, so I've got it on the Switch. And, I mean, I am a Tetris freak. I, I adore Tetris, and I get hooked. Uh, one one year, um, I, used to be, I used to be in a band, and we were at the recording studio, and I decided to take my 3DS with me at the time. Mm. Um, which I'd got Tetris 3D or whatever it's called on the 3DS, which ultimately is just the same, but it's, you know, just on, on the 3DS instead. And there's a few different modes, but I played and I was playing one game of Tetris for the entire week we were in the recording studio because I would, I would play, I'd play, I'd play, I'd play. And then I'd put it in, like you could suspend it. And then I put my DS on charge and then the next day I'd open it and carry on. And I was like, just smashing through on this like ludicrous speed and setting um dreaming in tetris as the, as it's called the tetris effect when you start to see tetris blocks in your head and um yeah and that's where i am again now so uh, back playing it but you're right those sort of games they, they understood yeah i think because they understood what system they were on and what the limitations were and therefore didn't try and go too far beyond that capability you look at some things and you know it required you to use your imagination to fill in some of the blanks mm. or you know or to kind of uh, fill in some of the shortcomings of the game titles things like tetris didn't because it was it's like here it is here's the game it's universally understandable it's really easy to pick up but incredibly difficult to master uh with the other things that you just referenced as well like pac-man and pong exactly the same like dead easy you know dead easy to play but if you want to get really good at it you've got to you've got to keep at it and of course they're never gonna they're never gonna get old they're never gonna, like and again uh, I'd, I'd even suggest that the donkey kong games from the snes era um like they look a little bit tired now, but they still look great and they play incredibly because they just like, again, it's rare, but they understood that in what makes a good platform game. It's about having perfect controls, you know, because it, you, you don't ever want to feel that the game screwed you out of a, of a victory. Like it has, like if you are in complete control of your character, then it's entirely your fault if you lose. Mm. And they, they nailed that completely. Again, they nailed the sort of the collect them up, element and the hidden area element and some of like the fun parts of it the bosses were a little bit difficult from time to time as you went through so it's just it's about getting all of those things right as you go and i think that's that's the same even even in modern gaming uh, in sort of contemporary titles because the best games the ones that we'll look back on fondly are the ones that did everything right and that weren't you know weren't trying to kind of overshoot there's a lot of games you play sometimes and you think what is this like this is this is terrible or they you know it's like uh, keeping it simple thing isn't it well, it's either keeping it simple or it's not over-promising. Um, I'm going to sort of, you know, use Cyberpunk as an example here. Like, I'm a fan of the Cyberpunk game, but I'm a fan of the Cyberpunk game that we got, not the Cyberpunk game that they they said we were going to have mm. because we didn't get the game that they promoted by a very, very wide margin. But what they did give us was still a good game. It just, you know, bugs aside, it was still a good game. But it just, they shouldn't have, you know, promised the earth when they can only deliver a small portion of that and i think that's looking back at retro and how that might fit in 
some of the titles we've mentioned that didn't work so well or that were very difficult, they, you know, they they kind of misunderstood perhaps or they they weren't considerate of will this be something people can just enjoy and you know and they probably weren't they probably didn't care about people 30 years later discussing it on a podcast uh, <laughs> of whether it still stood up because they were just making a game they were trying to make some cash and um, i know I, this is almost like a theme now because i'm going to be re- revisiting a retro part of the uh conversation earlier um okay. just to talk about those collectibles you're talking about bridge of spirits not having a um disc version but yeah. uh limited run games do you know i assume you do uh, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, or I think there's a couple of companies that do it, but basically they'll they'll get licenses to yes, it, like uh, super, super rare games do it as well. Yeah, that like them as well. Yeah, uh, so yeah, like occasionally they'll be dropping out something. And now there's a game. It's my favorite game. We've talked about it before, probably Night in the Woods. We play yes, a yeah, 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 yeah. I'm desperately looking around, trying to you know wait waiting for that to come to a physical release. Like there was going to be a physical release, and then there was some like studio like problems within the studio itself so they just, you know that ended up getting canned but i'm like i recently it, it dropped it came off game pass so before it did i bought it but it's still oh. a digital version and i want to own that game there's so few games i give a shit about <laughs> like no, but that's, that's but that's what i was talking about i think you know when you do love a game like like i say like bridge of spirits has really like struck a chord with me mm. you do want to have it because it's it's a it's sort of a testament to the thing that you love you can show it off to people, which is that's ultimately what you know. Um, kind of owning things, you know, is about, isn't it? It's about to say like, oh, look at this, look at this, look at this thing that I've got that I that I love, and I yeah, want to kind of share, gives share you that. Yeah, joy in that uh, minimalist way, you know, something that you can hold and. Feel yeah, no, no, I, I'm I'm all about that. So, uh, like, I'm a huge fan of the life Life is Strange games, and uh, I, uh, well, I mean, just very quick detour. The very first game in the series I'd never heard of, and I went into my local independent gaming store at the time and he had one of the limited edition copies on like his on his shelf hmm. the box artwork just appealed to me i read the the sort of blurb on the back and was just immediately sold didn't know what it was i was like oh, let's give it a go so i bought it and then never looked back but then when they released the um before the storm the prequel to hmm. to that that was digital only initially and obviously i really wanted to play it because i was hooked on the story so i, I bought it digitally and played it and then about six months later they released a limited edition version of that which came with like some vinyl and an art book and all sorts of stuff like that and i i ended up buying that as well and i think that's a testament to it i would probably buy for example a game of the year edition of of kana if it came out because i want to have that physically or i want to have the collectible that comes with it so i'm totally with you and i think if yeah i'll keep an eye out for you as well now i know that you're looking for <laughs> night in the woods yeah, um, the the thing I've kind of accepted because a lot of games, I say, I prefer to own digitally anyway. Uh, it's just easier, more convenient. I don't want to have too much shelf space. But then, mm. in saying that, what I am collecting instead, like I've got quite a lot of um, video game soundtracks on vinyl. Oh, nice. so that combines my you know quite my my enjoyment of collecting vinyl because I think it is that experience of you know you put something on and it's kind of a dedicated event, listening to music. Yes. Kind of, I totally robbed. agree. Like uh, and digital anything, music, films, you know, Netflix or whatever, it does kind of um, cheapen that experience in a way, and that's yeah. why I like the vinyl is a uh, you know an activity like you actually go and do it. So yeah, combined well, in that, when I when I see a vinyl for a game, like I'm I'm always looking now when games are coming out if they're releasing with like a vinyl or when it does come yeah. out. Because if it is a game I uh, particularly like, then 
I'm going to try I and love that. that one up. Yeah, I love that. There's, I've got a few sort of video game soundtracks and stuff that, again, when I, I recently sort of sold all my CD collection from, you know, growing up, which mm. was like stupidly extensive. And again, as you say, not enough space once you, uh, once you start to think about what you, what you actually need in your house and what you don't. Um, but I kept all the video game stuff. And, I, and just going back to what you said about it being like an event, as a, as a sort of musician, you know, we put a lot of time into deciding track order and, and, and how an album might kind of like ebb and flow and uh, all that kind of stuff in the order that you that it's on the, the CD or the vinyl. So I think you're right. It, it, you know, it should be an experience. I think a lot of musicians still, you know, because because we were all brought up on on physical musical media. Um, yeah, we, we kind of understood that. We understood it's a, it's a story that you're trying to tell or it's an experience that you want to create. So I think it's really cool that you do that. And again, you're combining your two loves there of, of your, you say, your vinyl collecting and your video gaming. So that's, that's very cool indeed. Hmm, thank you. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like um, talking about that, I know this isn't video games now, I'm talking about music a bit, but in terms of listening to albums as a whole, like I remember going from the, the time when I went from as a kid where I would sort of put on my like, you know, Backstreet Boys album or whatever and sort of skip to the tracks I knew and liked. Um <laughs> To the point, and and then it followed through once I started getting into like Limp Bizkit, Slipknot, whatever, and I'd sort of just... Oh, he's, he's, he's saved some of his cool there, everybody. He's, he... I, I'm not ashamed at all of the Backstreet Boys. No, they're, they're fucking sick. <laughs> but, they're, ashamed, um, they're ashamed of themselves. Yeah, yeah that's but fair no, enough. But... <laughs> but I agree with you, no, they're some, some absolute bangers there. But yeah, once I aged up a bit and got into that stuff, it was still a case of like skipping through, you know, your Linkin Park CD, listening to the ones I like. I can't remember when it got to the point where I started listening to things as a whole, going like, okay, I'm, you know, once I started appreciating music and not wanting to just hear hear the hits and putting on an album, and that's when I started hearing like tracks that become my favourites that otherwise I would have just been skipping over because they're not the, you know, the released or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. What's your uh, what's your favourite video game vinyl that you own? Ooh, um, probably the. Like I've got the soundtracks to the uh, Dawn of War for okay, Warhammer yeah. Total War. Yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to use them as like background music, and it's it's quite nice. There's like a big free disc, you know, like uh, collection, and each of the discs they got their own color. I know, like this isn't the music part of it, but they're all nicely colored. No, no, the art, it's part, the that's, that's part of it, it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like the artwork on, you know, on the inside, on on every cover is amazing. Like, you know, I don't know if you Warhammer fan at all but like when they do artwork for their stuff it looks really good really dramatic um so yeah i have a, I I have a friend who works at um games workshop as their one of their graphic designers oh really that's amazing yeah i'll give it a, a yeah pass on. Plug. hello <laughs> pass hello on taylor my compliments taylor i am um, a huge fan of everything your company does oh I'll pass well. On. <laughs> well particularly the artwork but yeah like um I'd, I'd probably say that like that's one I one I tend to listen to more than kind of anything. How about yourself? Have you got any uh, favorites in general? Favorites video game soundtracks? Um, oh, I mean, there's so many in sort of recent recent memory. I mean, m- one of my favorite soundtracks, which is it's not a um, original soundtrack. You know, it's it's tracks that were mm-hmm. um, you know used on the game. Um, the original Life is Strange soundtrack. Again, a big part of why I love though that series and especially the first game just a mesmerizing soundtrack that like uh, every moment in the game is punctuated by like this perfect choice of music that when you listen to then the the full album in a row you kind of remember the story and and sort of the ups and downs of it all but i think as, as like original music goes um 
I was lucky enough to go and see the Nintendo Orchestra perform uh, the Legend of Zelda oh, nice. soundtracks, which just incredible. Because again, you it's so iconic. Uh, you know, one of my biggest childhood games was um, Ocarina of Time, and just hearing some of like you know you forget some of the tracks until you hear them, and then suddenly you're you're transported to that 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 place that you spent so much of your childhood and things. And I think that will probably always hold a sort of a special place in, in my heart for for that kind of thing. Um, and just in in sort of perhaps um, more more modern, if you're looking at sort of more modern soundtracks, there's just so much good stuff. Um, the new like the Doom, re- like remaster or whatever, yeah. the, no, the brand new Doom game. That soundtrack is insane, like heart racingly intense. And I think if anyone's played it, like what a perfect soundtrack for that game. Uh, but again, for different reasons, I don't think I would sit and listen. Well, to that's that the thing I've seen that one come up on the like store, you know, vinyl store, and I'm like, oh. That's a you know very well thought, highly regarded soundtrack uh, for a video game, but I just can't picture any scenario where I'm going to pop that on and have a sit back, drink a coffee, and relax to some you know doom slaying music. <laughs> so... I mean, yeah, if you want to uh, if you want to make like the most badass omelet you've ever made, you want know, you want to you want to inject violence into your uh, into your brunch, then maybe yeah, I'll if I want to drink but... my coffee granules through my nose, then. Maybe, Maybe that'll be a that's the way forward. Straight <laughs> straight into the bloodstream. No messing about with that water rubbish. <laughs> outrageous. Um, so is there the uh, last thing you sort of talk about is anything on the switch you want to see kind of moving forward? Well, uh, again, I'm gonna plug a, another sort of past article that you'll find on robot-republic.com uh, if you search for glitchcraft. Um, my prediction ahead of the N64 release, uh, of because there were there were kind of rumours that something was coming to the Switch Online, I thought it would be Game Boy games. Uh, there was a lot of rumblings that it was going to be the Game Boy, and the Game Boy catalogue is just never ending. It is such a broad, wide, and like eclectic catalogue of things that you can play. So there's an article on there of, of Game Boy titles that I would have loved to have seen come to the. Switch, I'll probably give that a reshare actually, uh, following all of this. But um I would love to see that. I think there's such good such a good variety of, of games that I think maybe some people might have missed. And to have that portability back, because you know, again, the point of the Game Boy was that you play it anywhere. Now I got the switch, you can do it sort of similarly. Um, I think that would be really nice. Uh but aside from that, no, I think I'm looking forward to hearing what the relationship with Rare is now with Nintendo or you know, what sort of deal they've struck up. To see whether or not we can get the Donkey Kong games and the Diddy Kong games, I think that'll be that'll I think be really that might exciting. be all right. Like I know, like Microsoft uh, released the Ori games to the Nintendo Switch, and that's kind of yes, like one did. of their first party, not even rare stuff, just their own first party stuff. So I think there's quite a good relationship between those two, and you know, Microsoft yeah, not, are quite determined sure they, to be seen um, as the good guys these days. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they are uh, quite as. Well, I don't think. I don't think Microsoft are as concerned with nintendo as, as they perhaps you know might have been a few years ago that said obviously the switch is most definitely standing its own but it's i think it's just paying its own pathway isn't it it's not it's not concerned with having things like immediately on release uh for example like i think we well on, a, on another podcast that i believe didn't end up making it to uh making it to air we, we discussed fez which was released mm-hmm. i think initially in 2014 and only came to the switch in 2020 i think um but again they are they are providing games that you could only play on your tv screen in a portable manner now so to me that's what's the bit that's the big kind of draw of all of this like you know how great to be able to play banjo kazooie on the bus or mm. you know or to play lilac wars on the toilet you know i mean who doesn't want who doesn't want to defeat andros while you know you know 
you know what? Sometimes you know. talking about um, talking about my kind of ennui, I've been having a little bit trying to select games. Um, one thing I did find myself playing Octopath Traveler, led down on my sofa. So the chair I game from isn't the sofa which I am mm. sat upon now. Like it was just like okay, I can't sit in front of a TV. I can't be asked for the hassle of playing that. But I do want to play games. So I want to kind of do it vert- uh, horizontally. So yeah, like if we could get more fi- like getting things on the Switch does appeal to me. It's just at the moment there isn't a huge amount of games I want to play on there. That's why I've always been a big pro- you know, big big uh, advocate of sticking Game Pass on there at some point. <laughs> you're, you're, Mi- you're a Microsoft fan, Kelly. Um, I'm I'm yeah, a fan of the. Not sure that's ever. Not sure that's ever come up before. It hasn't. No, I should probably talk about it more often, really. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, if, with with some of these Nintendo games, I would be quite quite happy to have something to sit back and play, especially Lilac Wars. That was a massive. The main game I played on my N64 as a kid, to be honest. And there's still some. I tell what I would like unlocked. to see. I tell what I would like to see. Uh, I would like to see online play for some of these games in the multiplayer kind of variety. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I haven't read anywhere that it is, and I think that would require a lot of new programming. And I think, to be honest, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is just passive income for Nintendo. I think they're just uploading the, uh, yeah. you know, the games and then leaving them as they are. But imagine playing like you know Mario Kart 64, but online with your, with your mates, like old school times. Or uh, yeah, Lilac Wars multiplayer. You know, chuck me in the land. Someone Master. else playing as Pepe. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, imagine all four of you like having a whole crew there playing. Uh, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, the Wayside Map Game Boy games coming to it, though. That'd be really useful because of Pokemon games. Um, there's a yes. few of them, and like on the Nintendo DS as well, which you can't get streaming. Like, as in. No, you can't. Yeah. T's trying to do it at the moment. Um, play some some of the uh, some of the games that came on the DS, then no, no which ones. But basically. To get that happening, he's going to have to send off uh, their DS to someone who's then going to do a procedure thing on it and send it yeah. back so it can then be plugged into a PC to stream. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it costs like 200-something bucks. Like, yeah, no, it's not. It's not good. Or, it's or you, can, you can emulate, but then you lose the, you know, for the DS, you lose like the touch, the touch-based element. Or I think uh, the thing, the problem with that is they, they, they want to play it with a few people. Like versus, and I think the emulators don't support. That's true. That. No, they don't. That's what I've they heard. Um, yeah, that's true. They don't. So yeah, that'd be good if they, they brought that to it. Uh, yes, yeah, I agree. Any further bits you want to talk about before I wrap this all up? No, I think uh, probably the last thing I'd say is my only my only sort of um, my my fear for retro is something that you just brought up about them remastering these or remaking these games. Um, you know, they remade Ocarina of Time uh, on the DS, Majora's Mask on the DS. Uh, you know. They've upgraded things like Conker's Bad Fur Day on the Xbox 360. Um, you know, there's there's these some of these sort of seminal retro games um, are being remade. Like we had Link's Awakening on the Switch released a couple of years ago now in this beautiful new sort of style. Um, it almost renders the original retro games obsolete because if you have the option now to play a beautiful, full color, gorgeously realized Switch version of you know any game would you then go back and play the original anymore? Because it, you know, it, it sort of pales in comparison in, in every regard. Um, my only concern as someone who does like retro is that doing that all the time does sort of eventually deplete your, uh, your need for any of these, these retro titles. But I think, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I don't think will die out and I think it will continue to be something that people love. So yeah, I've enjoyed talking about this today and I'm, I'm excited for 
Nintendo continuing to honor sort of their, their, their legacy and their traditions in this, in this way. Keep it up, Nintendo. Good, good lads. <laughs> so I'm actually, one thing I've taken from this is I, I don't spend much time on Instagram. Like we do have one, but it's very much a token account. Like I, I don't really understand Instagram or anything, but um, I don't hearing, understand anything, <laughs> anything uh, at all, really social, but um, knowing that you're going to be, or you have been uploading images of your collection, yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna have to yeah, check that out a bit more because of yeah, like I'm I'm excited to see these old video game nostalgic bits. And if anyone else wants to find me, uh, just search at Glitchcraft wherever you are online. That's Glitch Q R A F T. Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitch. I'm all over the place. Just uh, yeah, hit me up. Good, good. So you may have to know, ask you to do that later. Uh, nope. <laughs> so I just want to talk about everything else going on around the Robo Republic this coming week. Um, I don't actually have any details about the other podcasts, but you can assume the guys over at uh, Nerdverse are going to be talking about Comic-Con. Uh, they are going to that this weekend in London, as am myself uh, and a few of the others from from the Robot Republic uh, going down there with press passes just to swing that around and just make it sound quite big, but it's a free ticket, really. <laughs> it is. Go and say hello to the guys and girls. I shout, yeah. There's, um, I say there's quite, quite a lot. Uh, Holly's coming down. Uh, all the way from up, up north, and my, uh, my favorite podcaster. And uh, yeah, that hurts, but okay. Um, oh, well, I, I, obviously, I, I didn't mean current. No, no, it's uh, fine. It She's my favorite, course. including myself. Like you know, <laughs> taking into account there anyway, so it's fine. Uh, but yeah, Barlow and um, Stacy are there with a few Sammy Dodger and who who's been on the show before, and yes, indeed, various others. So um, yeah, it's gonna be gonna be good times. I've uh, I've constructed myself. This is this is this weekend, but this is yesterday and the day before for everyone listening. Uh, I've constructed myself a cosplay um, over the course of the last twenty four hours. Um, so you, you know, are a physical of embodiment of the Xbox Game Pass, aren't you? <laughs> Just cheap and quick. Yep. You're the old woman with the with the cogwheel at the start of the podcast we talked about. <laughs> you are the Valve woman. Now go on. What are so, you, what, are you what, what have you been as? I am going as the new mascot, Rob. Uh, Rob Otto um, is what I decided to name it in the car on the way home. Uh, so Excellent I've work. made myself a nice box and covered it in tinfoil. And that is going to be my hat for part of the day when I can be asked to wear it. So, I didn't want to ask why you're wearing tinfoil on the call, but yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 it's my robot costume, basically. But mm-hmm. box robots. Big fan of it. retro box robots. They're my uh, favorite kind of aesthetic for a robot, Fair. which is the one I like like to think about when I when I talk about this this project that is the Robot Republic. Um, so, yeah, going to be there. Uh, what else is going on? We've got the episode three of the Town Council of the Urbanisars. Have you checked this out yet? Just uh, I haven't. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. Very, honestly, yeah, a very busy time, but I am going to. It's on the list. Honestly, like obviously, I tell everyone to check out everything all the time anyway. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of this. Like, it's we're having such a good time recording it. It's like making us, you know, I'm in fucking tears laughing at some of the bits that are coming, like coming out of it. So the belly laughs. Yeah, it's it's just such a good time. So check that. Out. That drops every every Sunday now. Um, we are kind of canning critical update for now. That's 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 it's becoming a monthly thing now, isn't it? It's more becoming a as and when relevant news becomes, you know, important. I think, that's, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's a lot of effort for like not much going on, but like especially when it's like called critical update and like a lot of the updates just aren't that critical come out every week. So now it is actually gonna be for critical updates. Uh love but it, love it. also allows us to put Riku to better use. Um 
doing what he does best, which is like uh, schmoozing with indie devs. Absolutely. So we've had him doing some interviews with uh, various indie devs, and they're showing up in our new chatbot show, keeping that robo theme. Um, I think he just the one we just had last week was uh, with with Recky Studios doing Bunhouse, cute little rabbit game. Uh, he's got we've got one coming out for Halloween. I'll leave that all. It's all going to be showing up on Twitter. So check that out. Uh, yeah, we find us on Twitter at robotrepublic underscore. Find us at robot-republic.com. Uh, if you want to support us, and this is the first time I'm going to be introducing this into the kind of exit of the episode, but we do have a Patreon. Ooh. Please feel free to jump in just for a buck a bump. Uh, you can get ex- access. in a book. Chuck in a buck, as some some friends of ours say, or people we like oh, to imagine. Very good friends. friends. Yeah, very, very good friends, friends of ours over, over there, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Chuck in a buck and get access to some... It, it's, like, it's like the rest of the stuff we put out, but not as highly polished or good. And costs your money, so it's it's definitely worth signing up for. What you've done there is you've hmm. uh, you've maybe dissuaded people. But what I would say is, uh, having kind of spent some time with the Robot Republic folk, they are wonderful people. It's it's all of the all of the output, all the podcasts, and thank you everybody for the support we have been receiving across all of the different podcasts and and channels and and things like that. They're just really genuine, like awesome people, and people that you'd want to be friends with as gamers. So I think for a single book, for a single dollar. Uh, you're not really going to get sort of a nicer bunch of people that you can spend your time with and kind of while away your hours when maybe you want to be gaming, but you can't be gaming because you're at work or you're commuting or you're just taking a walk to to lose some of that energy drink weight that we all put on when we when we play the video game. So I think, yeah, 100%, well worth the money um, just to hang out, really. Like, what, what more could you ask for? Definitely a better salesman than me, aren't you? Like, I, <laughs> just I, I, I say a little spill, and if anything, it tells people not to put. There is going to be some. There is some exclusive. Um, one thing there is some exclusive town council episodes from, uh, from the sort of practice sessions. So there's some addition. If you're into the show, um, yeah. which people seem to be got a lot of views so far, uh, there is going to be some backstory lore which uh, you can't hear anywhere else. So do 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 check that out. And you persuaded me. Yeah, that's that's kind of everything from us uh, us here. So we would know where to find you. Catch you around. Bye. Bye bye. The gaming manifesto. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.